Hello and welcome to the Dinosaur Man News and Reviews. I'm Andy Hughes. I'm here with Alex Hudson. Yo, 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 it's your boy. Me. Hey, hey you. Thought I'd sort of add a bit of enthusiasm and youth to the proceedings. Yeah? You're going to only use new Good new evening, slang. gentlemen, and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I'd add some <laughs> distinguished gentlemanly conduct to the podcast. Oh, I see, so you're doing both. I've got to, you've got to do both. Uh... I don't want to split the vote between, yeah. like, I don't want to lose our old fuddy-duddies that listen to this podcast, and I don't want to u- lose the young bucks. Okay. So, we meet in the middle? What What do I sit as? My middle ground? Or yeah, my... I guess so. You're Mr. Middle. I'm floating voter. You're really Malcolm in the middle. You are a floating voter. That's why I always do pieces to camera. Mm. Uh, what would you say you vote for most often? Um... Britain's Got Talent winners. Mm. Uh, Which menu item should stay at McDonald's? (laughs) (laughs) Which flavour of crisps in Walker's Do Us a Flavour should stay? (laughs) Obviously. Are they still running those things? Do they... Um, They do them every so often. They're not, like, user-submitted ones, though, are they? They're now, I think... I don't know. I think they might do. Because the one they've got at the moment is um, these tastes of restaurants, I think. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's a case of the most you know, the most sold bag stays on or they have a finite amount of time with that restaurant group because I think it's all owned by the same restaurant group, the ones they've done. McDonald's. Uh, No. This one tastes like a filet of fish. Okay. If you're... If you're going to make... If you're going to make McDonald's items into crisps Mm -hmm. and you can choose four items... Mm-hmm. To make into crisps as a sort of, you know, special time promotion. What four items would you have as um, thingies? Cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. Okay. Um, McFlurry. Yep. Milkshake. Uh-huh. Veggie Deluxe. Wow. Okay. Actually, no, not cheeseburger. Just the tartar sauce from the okay. fillet of fish. Okay. Do you want to know what I'm going to go for? Mm-hmm. Ketchup, barbecue, sweet and sour, curry. Just their sauces. <laughs> you know what? No. Fries, hash browns, <laughs> any other potato product they sell. Yeah, they don't, it. do they? Um, uh, just the bun and lettuce. <laughs> Diced onion. Which would stay on that? Um, I don't, All day I'd eat a gherkin crisp. I really like gherkin flavoured crisps. I don't think I've ever had one in my life. They're nice, but you know you have to like gherkins. Think about gherkins, I think you have to, like... I think they could be too much at times. I think we've had this discussion like, maybe th- on pod before. I like gherkin. Mm-hmm. I love, like, In moderation. and stuff like that. But if you're saying, oh, here you go, here's, like, seven whole gherkins, eat them, I'll be like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, would you eat just a dill pickle on its own? No, I think I've had it when it's, like, fried. Yeah, fried pickles. Um, But no, I'd have it Yeah, you've had a frickle. Something. Sure you have. <laughs> I'd have it in something. Okay. Anyway, welcome to a podcast that doesn't discuss any of that stuff. <laughs> welcome to the only podcast that talks news and reviews. I think that's actually confirmed by um, Off Gem. Yeah, they went... Off Com, sorry. <laughs> Off Gem's energy. Yeah, those guys, they talk 
news, and they seem to be the only people doing it. Yeah, and you know what? We're the only podcast with a pro-Gherkin agenda. We're also the only podcast with a pro-rename New York City, New Donk City agenda. Uh, I would like to be putting myself forward for first mayor of New Donk City. M- mayor Pauline is already mayor, and we are changing the Statue of Liberty to a I giant Donkey Kong. <laughs> you know, right, here's the thing that I think. Make Toad the mayor. Do you remember... Uh, no, you were <laughs> I was going to say, do you remember in Super Mario Sunshine, I think there is a, a Toad mayor. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make sense because Delfino Island or whatever it was called was kind of inhabited by these weird gelatinous blobs of people rather than just toads. Mm-hmm. Need to revisit that game. He's just come back out on Switch. Eek. Yeah, a I could get a, re- Switch. a kind of remaster. Um Hey, speaking of switches, gaming news. Well We should we talk reviewing? about what we're gonna review this week first, guys. Wow. Wow. Is that your laptop? About My to laptop take off? sounded like it was about to take off. Genuinely, I thought it was somebody cutting wood, <laughs> like the sound of like a. I forgot that I left it on charge. Electric saw going through wood. I don't know if that would even come up on the, like whether people would be able to hear. I it. did hear a weird sort of buzzing sound. So let's let's start again, mate, from the beginning of the podcast. I thought it could be a drill. Uh, yeah. So before I we get Tim to the tormentator had arrived. <laughs> oh 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 oh. oh. Is that, your, is that your Tim Allen impression? Do Tim Allen from the I'm start, Santa Claus. Do from the start of Home Improvement. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Can't <laughs> amplify that bit now because that was already sort of topping out. It was coming in hot on the cans. I just love that sound. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, uh, Home Improvement. Time to revisit that as well. And you know what I say? Make Toad the new neighbor. Toad Improvement. Cool. Um, Home Entoadment. No. <laughs> what are we reviewing? <laughs> yes! And instead of... Did they live in Detroit on there, or did they live in Indiana? What are we reviewing? Oh, man. Uh, we've got a couple of movies this week. we got a couple of big ones. I think you'll find they're... They're called A Couple of Biggins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not. Uh, a couple of Netflix releases. Vampires vs. the Bronx and Dick Johnson is Dead which are both new on Netflix this week. Cool, but before we get there, mm. before we get to reviews, we must yes. talk movie news. But before we get to movie news, we must talk a little bit of gaming news. It's game over for Nintendo Switch hacker Gary Bowser. Oh, with a name no. like that, we should have known he was up to no good. Hold on, and it's Doug Bowser is the head of Nintendo. Yeah, with a name like that, we should know that he's trying to take down the corporation from the inside. Where's Doug Toadstool? So Gary Bowser, why, who, who is he? I don't know. Uh, okay, so two members of video game piracy group Team Executor are now in custody <laughs> facing charges in the U.S. court. Max Luan, a 48-year-old French national from Avignon. Uh, Yuan and Chen, 35 what from Shenzhen. What the audience love is when you've read through an article. Uh, Gary, and Gary Bowser. Gary Bowser. He's a 51-year-old Canadian from the Dominican Republic. We're charged in a federal indictment unsealed on Friday. It says here that he was... Not only is he a 51-year-old Canadian from the Dominican Republic, he says he's a dragon lizard as well. <laughs> he's got a shell with spikes on his back. Because he's Bowser. Yeah, because he's fucking Bowser. <laughs> what do you think? So what did he do? I don't think you've said what he did. He's a, he's a hacker. That's right. Bowser was arrested for hacking Nintendo Switch. 
a coincidence noticed by former Nintendo of America boss Reggie Phil's Amy, who was replaced by Gary Bowser's namesake, Doug Bowser. Not actual Bowser. Um, okay, so he, I don't know, developed and sold illegal devices that hack video game consoles so they could pirate games. Okay, so... Including the Nintendo Switch and the 3DS. Remember when that used to be, like, the big thing, like, you could chip, like, the PS1 was really easily chipped? No. Um, yeah, I remember the PS1, like, it, so you could have, like, basic copies of games rather than... didn't have a PlayStation 1. Ones. Um, you always forget this fact about me, I'm probably the coolest guy in the world because i didn't have a playstation but yeah like, it was really easily done mm-hmm. um and i know loads of people who had it um but like it seemed less of a thing like with the new consoles and stuff like that i mm. think i know less people now i don't think i know anybody who has like a i know less people now as chip. well a lot of my friends have just given up on me <laughs> you don't know anyone who's got like a, a chip console or playstation i just don't know but when i was school, Which, because now that they're connected mm. i feel like now that Xbox Ones and PlayStation 4s are connected to the network all the time. Yeah, it's harder to do. You can't do it. And I'm sure you can, because obviously there are still... Look at ex- Gary Bowser. Exactly, and I'm sure, you know, I think you go online, you can find, like, oh, here's a cracked copy of a game or whatever. Mm. So people must still do it, but I know less people who do do it now. Well, when I was at school, like I said, I know loads of people who had, like, chipped PlayStation 1s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, strange. Uh, so they were arrested abroad in connection with the charges, and the U.S. will uh, seek extradition to stand trial. Bowser was arrested and deported from the Dominican Republic and appeared in federal court in New Jersey. Wow, what a what difference a day <laughs> makes! Uh, on Friday the second of uh, Friday second of October, sorry. Um, so twenty years in prison for each charge could Time be good. Doesn't pay. Could be good. Get them back. <laughs> Get them locked up. Get them locked up. <laughs> we made, like, the... No, they're baddies. They're 100% baddies. Crime doesn't pay, guys. It says here, uh, other defendants include Jeffrey Shy Guy <laughs> and um, Goomba. <laughs> I only went by one name. Um, He's like Turtle in Entourage. Should I talk about a couple of games? Because I don't have anything to review this week. If you want. Um, so I've played a couple of games lately. Tell me about them. So I've seen them. You have, actually. You've seen me play both. Um... Sorry, guys. The one thing I've seen this week is Andy's been playing games made in the 1980s, I think, because um, they look old school, bro. <laughs> so the first game I played is a game called Carrion. Yes. I don't know if I actually spoke about this briefly, but it's basically so it's by a developed by Phobia Game Studios mm-hmm. and published by Devolver Digital, who also published the other game that I did, mm. who are really good at like these great indie games. Red Dead Devolver. Good no. joke, though, if they want it. <laughs> Um, so the idea of Carrion is it's classed as a reverse horror game because instead of you being somebody who's trying to avoid the monster, you are the monster mm. trying to break out of a facility. Um, and like you said, it's all kind of eight bits or sixteen a bit or so. Kind of, you know, old school, old school. An story. amount of bits that is less than Super Mario sixty four. Yes, which <laughs> um, is sixty four bit. Yeah. Uh, how about sixteen bit? <laughs> You knew we were both going there. Neither was knew how we were getting there, but we were always ending. Sixty Norbits, what am I? In Eddie Murphy's dreams? <laughs> um but yeah, the game's pretty cool. Like it's the way it handles like you play this creature that can get bigger or smaller. Yes. Um and it's kind of puzzly, you kind of work on how to get through certain rooms. Mm. Um and you go back on yourself, so it's kind of a Metroid game. 
Metroid game where you kind of have to go back through things when you've got better skills and things like that. Um, and it's really good. Like, I had a lot of fun doing it. Like it, it took enough of my time to kind of make it an interesting kind of jaunt. I think the one thing it misses massively is a map mm. because I had to Google where the hell am I because I had no idea. Mm. Um, and I understand why. Is that part of the challenge of the game? Well, yeah, I understand why they've done it. Is they've gone, oh, you're a monster, therefore you shouldn't have a map. It's a fair point. Like, um, <laughs> I know it's going to make a sound. No, it's fine. It's um, fine. So you know, you're monster. So why would you have a? <laughs> why would you have a map? Mm-hmm. It's but, a good um, point. At the same time, like it's so because everything looks so similar. Yes. Like they're all these just rooms. All of the rooms, I have to say, looked pretty much identical to me, except there maybe was a different entrance. Mm. Because of that, like, it's hard to kind of find your way around. But it is a lot of fun. Like, I had a lot of fun with it. I think Mm. once you get get to grips with, like, how you move and, like, how you can, I don't know, use, like, your special abilities and stuff. And, like, when you're working out, oh, I need to drop this off here so that I can then go and use this power through here. Because, like, when you're in different forms, so you've got, like, three small, yeah. medium, large, mm-hmm. and you can kind of reduce your size and enlarge yourself. And in different forms, you have different abilities. So sometimes you have to make yourself smaller to use a certain oh, okay, ability, yeah. but then it also makes you weaker. You've you've got to be reactive to your mm. surroundings in order to... And I think that's really cool, the way it kind of teaches you that um like mm. I had a lot of fun with it it was I played it on game pass and apparently mm-hmm. it's available pretty much on everything I believe okay um and this is is this like an independent game that's then published by a larger company yes yeah, so it's an indie game published by because I feel like I've heard of devolver before yeah devolver have done all sorts but like, I've never heard of if I went for what did you call them they are phobia games I phobia think. games I've never heard of yeah, but phobia I know game about studio. maybe I know about devolver uh, so obviously, with gaming, we have a rating system that's different to our actual yes. system. So, would you rate it as Wario, Daisy, or Yoshi? Because obviously, Wario is the worst, and Yoshi is oh, the coolest. Hold on, the I thought the rating system was I give it four wahoos out of okay. two Yoshi eggs. Okay, so wahoo, 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 what, bonk? That's him laying a couple of eggs. Um, second game I played. Hang on, what's the metric there? No. So, what's a Yoshi the, the egg thing, equivalent to? The great thing is, no. The reason I gave you the other nobody, scale was because I was doing brilliant impressions of all three of those characters. The great thing is, nobody knows. Okay, that's the great thing about gaming reviews. Nobody knows the actual metric. What's your next game? Also published by Devolver. So yeah, it's also published by Devolver, uh, developed by Sabotage Studio. It's called The Messenger. Mm. Um, the messenger is basically a platformer. This one, um, I think, it gets you angry. So angry. <laughs> mm. So um, the, the aim of the game is basically you start as you're like a ninja, and the twist of it on it is you're not the hero there to save the day when the demons attack. You are the guy who's supposed to carry a message to the top of the mountain to warn everybody. Okay. While the hero does what the hero does, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of the outline of it being like oh. Now you get to platform all your way up, yeah. and you get like bits where you hit stuff, and you can do double jumps and stuff like that. Um, it's got a really great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, like the characters are funny. Like your character is basically an idiot, and everybody knows it. But you also realize that you're probably the only person who can do this. Yeah. Um, and it is a proper old school. Like if you ever played like something like Super Meat Boy or anything like that, 
where it's these kind of platformers where you die and you go again, you die and you go again. Okay. Um, it has this kind of system to say, oh, this is why you keep being able to go again and you don't just die forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And when you succeed, you feel really happy. But I get very angry at this game. Mm. <laughs> like, you weren't in the room the other day where I literally punched the controller. Because <laughs> sometimes I tell it to jump and the controller doesn't jump. Mm. And I don't know whether it's just me being bad or whether yeah. it's the game. But I'm going to say it's the game because I don't want to believe I am bad at it. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Like, the bosses are hard. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them I had to look up how to beat because I was just like, I don't know how I'm ever going to win this. Yeah. Um because I'm not ashamed to do that. No, of course not. It's one of those where it's got no difficulty level, so basically the only way you can beat it is by getting good at the game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I basically spent hours on it this past week. Um, yeah. The music's really good. The level design's really fun. But it is really hard. Mm-hmm. And it upsets me, because I just want to be good at it. And where would you rate that? I know you haven't beaten it yet, so... It's a work in progress. Three Kirby gasps. Okay. Out of... So we're not using the same metrics. Interesting. Out of 19 Bowser bombs. Do you think we have time to do 19 Bowser bombs? No, you shouldn't do them. Okay, can I do the Kirby gasp? Of course you can. (laughs) That's going to sound horrible. Uh, Ran out of breath. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah. Cool. Really like it though. Really like it. A bomb. I'll that probably go back. One. I'll probably go back to it and continue. But if like, yes. I'm at a boss now, where I know what I need to do. I'm just really bad at doing it. Yeah. And I'm there like, it's one of those things, right? So have you beaten the hands? Yes, that's one I had to look up okay. because I kept being dicked by that certain mm-hmm. bit. Um, so me and my brother talk about this all the time. And my brother's a completionist. And I'm very much a case of I could you assume, finish the main line and then and that's then it. Give mm-hmm. it up. But I'm also one of those people that like. If I keep playing this now, and mm. the boss I'm on at the moment, if I don't do it in the next, like, say, 10 goes, mm. this probably just goes, I had fun with that, but I will never complete it. Okay. It's why I can't play games like Dark Souls, mm-hmm. because you have to be so committed to basically yeah. losing and going again. Mm-hmm. And I'm very much a case of, I've got so many games to play mm-hmm. that I can play that I'm willing to just kind of go, okay, I did that, now I move on. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, that's no indictment of how good the game is. The no, game is it's good. just it's just sometimes it's not a game that it's you can me. respond to because you aren't capable. Shall we get to movie news? Of course. Of course. Lots of news. Lots of news this week. So, first of all, Zac Efron is joining Universal and Blumhouse's Firestarter reboot, which is a film that I don't, I don't know that anyone really thought we needed. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the Keith Flint story. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so they're they're remaking Firestarter. What is Firestarter? Um, I don't know it. So it's a Stephen King um, novel from... Is it a short story within another thing? Um, From the, I'm going to guess, early 80s. About a... Drew Barrymore, I feel like, was in the original. And it was about a little girl with sort of pyrokinetic powers. Okay. Um, Yeah, so... um, it's a, I don't know what, I'm presuming he's going to be the lead role here. It would be strange if he wasn't, I guess. Um, so Keith Thomas, who directed The Vigil, which is a horror film that came out this year that I haven't seen because it hasn't had a wide release here yet. 
I think it's coming to VOD relatively soon, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it because everything I've heard about it seemed very interesting. Uh, so he's directing the latest iteration. Uh, it's being adapted by the writer for Halloween Kills and Rectify, uh, who's also going to be an executive producer. Mm-hmm. Yes, first movie released in 84, starred Drew Barrymore. Um, yeah, and it's going to be released, I would presume, in a couple of years at this point. Yeah. Because when are things going to happen? Who knows? Uh, yeah, so follows a young girl, develops pyrokinetic abilities, and is abducted by a secret government agency that wants to harness her powerful gift as a weapon. I like Efron. Uh, I hope it's good. Yeah. Also, Efron has the ability to be in bad films as well. Yeah, I mean, weirdly, you know, it lists some of his credits here. Absolute banger after banger, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. One of the Neighbours films was good. (laughs) The Greatest Showman, obviously. Absolute banger. Yeah. High School Musical 3, one of the best. And Hairspray, probably the best musical of all time. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, you know, could be interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what direction they're going to take the story in, but who knows, you know, they abduct a sort of 20-something, 30-something-year-old man at this point. <laughs> it's like everyone is Harder playing, to abduct, I would say. It's like everyone is playing a young girl with pyrokinetic powers. I'd, I'd watch that film. <laughs> I'd watch that film if that was the direction. Um <laughs> So, uh, A24 and New Regency are teaming up for a Ronnie Spector biopic, and Zendaya is um, playing, or certainly is attached at the moment to play Ronnie Spector, which I think is a good fit. Uh, Ronnie Spector, sort of a, a a relatively influential musician from what the 1960s, um, mm-hmm. part of the Ronettes, um, went on to marry Phil Spector, famous for a lot of things and stuff we won't get into now. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, a very, I think it's an interesting choice. I think, you know, she's obviously just come off the back of winning her Emmy. So yes. I think the world is basically her oyster. She's still what, like 12 years old at this point. What is she? <laughs> she she's ridiculously young she's like for saying the amount of stuff she's already been attached to. Um, I didn't watch Euphoria, but apparently it's great. So my brother Paul, who's a semi-regular on the podcast, he has watched it or is in the process of watching it, mm-hmm. uh, and he really recommends it. Um, yeah, said, I've heard he said really good if stuff. you watch TV series, you would know this. But um, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's basically said you know she's terrific in it, mm-hmm. and it is actually a really well-made series as well. So it's not really a surprise that she's got as many plaudits as she has yeah. from it. Um, so that could be really interesting. Um, Yes, and Pulitzer Prize winning playwright Jackie Sibley's jury is going to write the script, apparently. So we will see. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Next thing is The Lion King. Lion King follow-up set with Moonlight director Barry Jenkins to helm for the Walt Disney Studios. This is a weird one. <laughs> so, obviously, uh, The Lion King came out last year and did... Big box office, you mm. know. Did it end up becoming the highest grossing animated film of all time? Probably. Like, Potentially. Um, I didn't like it. <laughs> no, we didn't. Uh, it, it felt unnecessary. You know, there was nothing offensive about it. It wasn't it like it was a so- bad movie. It felt a bit soulless. It just felt like, what's the point in having this when you've got the original? At least with The Jungle Book, it kind of felt like it had its own energy. Um, so, Jeff Nathanson, who scripted that film... 
is back in the fold for the second film. Um, and they've apparent, I mean, they've apparently secured Barry Jenkins to direct. I maybe he just I, loves the Lion King. Maybe I don't know. It's just it seems very strange. Yeah. So the last film uh, grossed one point six billion worldwide. So mm-hmm. I think they're ki- clearly wanting to get on top of this as soon as they can to try and make hay while the sun shines. For me, this seems a bit like no one. Mm. Ava DuVernay did um, Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. After doing Selma. <laughs> but A Wrinkle in Time because was a book that she, yeah, she had an attachment to in her childhood, looked, right? And it makes me think that maybe Barry Jenkins is there going, oh no, I just really love Lion King. Mm. Like, to fair, do what you want, like, to, to be honest. Yeah. If you want to make it, make it, like, I ain't going to look down and you're making Lion King 2. Yeah. It's, it, and I think I actually might prefer a Lion King 2 than the Lion King because I'm not as close to a story. Yeah, because I think the, the Lion King 2... Um, Simba's pride. Okay, so they're keeping a, a, a logline under the wraps. But I'm told that... This, I'm not told. The story will further explore the mythology of the characters, including Mufasa's origin story. <laughs> I don't know. Baby... Baby Mufasa. <laughs> Baby Mufasa, maybe. Um, moving the story forward while looking back conjures memories of The Godfather Part 2. Now, let's not set the sights <laughs> that high just yet. Uh, okay. Um... Yeah, seems strange. Helping my sister raise two boys during the 90s. I grew up with these characters, Jenkins said. Having the opportunity to work with Disney on expanding the magnificent tale of friendship, love and legacy while furthering my work chronicling the lives and souls of folk within the African diaspora is a dream come true. So, you're right. I think he's clearly got an attachment to this and I think it's probably a potentially one that can be for them as in the studio but also kind of for you in the same Mm -hmm. sense that you get something out of it, as well as a fat paycheck. <laughs> um, who knows? Uh, you know, we'll could see. be good, as we always say. Yeah, could be good. Let's see. Spider Man, Spider Man news. Mm. Thought we were done with this after all the nonsense with Disney and Sony last year, but they're back in it. Nonsense is being conjured up again. Jamie Fox is coming back. Yeah, weird, isn't it? Jamie Foxx returning as Electro in the third Spider-Man movie, apparently. Um, so he's in advanced discussions to reprise the role. Um, and I don't know if this is good or not. Right, basically. the thing is, Jamie Foxx could be good as Electro, but I do not like that version of Electro mm. because I feel it is weirdly characterised. Well, surely what they have to do is take it as far away from that as possible. So, for instance, if they're if they're doing this under the guise of... So, you, you obviously know that Raimi's taken over on Doctor, Doctor Strange, Strange 2 and trying to sort of further this multiverse idea. Mm. And already we've had J. Jonah Jameson played yeah. by J.K. Simmons in now two franchises of that same character. Mm-hmm. And played in a slightly different, but actually still retaining a lot of the soul of the original. With a character like Electro, where the last one was not... Like, I don't think anyone came out of that film going, Wow, Electro is the coolest villain I've ever yeah. seen. I don't know if we if we need someone to come in and retain the soul of that. But you can, you can do that character again and just make mm-hmm. it something new. But by attaching the original actor... Yeah, and I always feel like that is just 
I mean, that's just asking people to draw comparisons, right? Yeah, it's interesting. The thing is, like, I don't like that original character mainly because I think, like, I think my biggest problem was it seemed like they were punching down on the guy with serious kind of mental health problems mm. um, and then made him into this kind of weird amalgamation of dubstep-loving Electro. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I want that character back mm. but if it's jamie fox coming back as a different version maybe it'd be interesting um it's obvious that it's ramping up now to the sinister six idea because we've seen keaton's vulture appear in well mm. keaton appear in the morbius trailer yeah. so it shows that you know the original sinister six of you know we've got vulture, the lines are now going to be blurred you know vulture um morbius electro mm-hmm. um who are the other ones it's Scorp- in the original scorpion six I believe he's in he's in at least one setup. Oh, he's he's probably in an iteration because it's Doctor Octopus, Electro, bring back Mo- Alfred Molina, Lizard, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Scorpion apparently is going to appear in the next. Yeah, because he's anyway. been set up in two and movies. Craven maybe. potentially as well. Like you've got, mm-hmm. basically you can build a Sinister Six there, um, and they've wanted this idea for ages. And then also, if you're bringing like Venom into it or whatever you want to do with that character. Mm. Um, it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see whether they go and bring like a Garfield and Maguire into it because that's been talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. And having this kind of because the Spider Verse thing is a huge story, um, and it's you know it was tackled in obviously into Spider Verse, mm-hmm. uh, which tackled it incredibly well. So well, yeah. there were rumours that Garfield, not Garfield, the other one, Maguire, Maguire is going to be in Doctor Strange two in a role. But we're not sure whether that's going to be as Spider-Man or not, yeah. or whether it's just going to be Raimi sort of tipping his hat towards. I don't know. Look, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's that thing. Like, it's not confirmed, but it would be very interesting to see kind of what this is mm. and what that means for this third Spider-Man film. Because I really like... I know a lot. there's been a lot of people who shit on these Spider-Man films, but I actually really like them. Like, mm. They're probably some of my favourite parts of the MCU. Yeah. Um, and I really want it not to be convoluted because too many cooks are trying to yeah, get involved. Um, talking about characters being reprised, uh, Billy Crudup's back in for The Flash. Yay. So Billy Crudup played Henry Allen mm-hmm. in Justice League yep. in scenes that... Did they make the final film or yeah, were they cut? Yeah, they okay. And then Black. dropped out of The Flash... Quite unceremoniously, if I remember right. He was just kind of like, don't want to be part of this. I'm leaving. Yeah. Um, and then, but, I mean, that was in 2017, mm-hmm. I think he left. And then he's now come back on board and said, yeah, I'll come back and do it. Which just shows if you wait around long enough, they're going to have to come back to you anyway because, you know, <laughs> this film's taken five years to get to this point. And this point is not even started production. Yeah. Really. Who knows? Who knows? Billy Crudup back in. He might be out again by the time the film comes out. He's got time. <laughs> That's never coming out, that film. Um, okay. One more piece of news news, and then we'll get on to trailers. Uh, so, obviously, James Bond, No Time to Die, has been delayed yet again to April 2021 amid uh, the growing concerns that it's not going to make enough because it won't have an international release because the US it just doesn't see it as a viable option at the moment. 
uh, and certainly the returns on the current uh, crop of stuff out in the cinemas is not strong enough to warrant them releasing it. Um, big problem there is this has now led to the closure of the Cineworld chain in the UK and the Regal Cinemas in the US, um, which is happening this week, uh, due to the fact that this big thing that they were sort of hoping they could hold out until, and then that would be a real big boost to them, has been taken away from them. Yeah. Now, obviously, the real story here is sort of the human cost of five and a half thousand jobs in the UK. Like that's mm-hmm. uh, that is a lot of people who are going to be out of work again. And whether it's a case of they delay it till 2021, or whether it's a case of some places have been reporting that it's going to close all of its sites permanently. Yeah. It's not good news. And it's, you know, only I think only so much of it can come down to, well, No Time to Die hasn't come out, so Mm -hmm. we can't, you know, you still feel like there are still people going to the cinema, and obviously No Time to Die was a big tentpole that would have drawn people yeah. in. But we saw with Tenet that that didn't work in, certainly to the same degree that they were hoping it would, I think. And a big part of this is to do with, basically, so the way the UK government works is the furlough scheme that we've had ends the end of this month. And after that point, um, employers need to pay two-thirds of their employees' wages um, to basically keep them going. And that's a huge cost for the hospitality industry and especially entertainment and arts industries where the money is not coming through the doors. Um, And this all comes down to a big thing of just the arts are not being supported during these times. And they are, they have been so heavily relied on for kind of entertainment purposes of people during, you know, especially during times like lockdowns that actually they need that support back to say, okay, we know that you can't get the audiences through the door, especially theatres and things like that. We know you can't get the people in and bums on seats. Mm. So we need to get them some sort of support. And they're an industry that's basically been forgotten about this entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people like who are genuinely struggling to make ends meet. And these big chains are much the same. Obviously, the bad thing about this is the fact that most of the employees who work there, found out via Twitter. Yeah, I was just going to um, break uh, say this. Um, so the story was broken by the Sunday Times uh, today, or as as we're recording this, um, and Cineworld Action Group, who are a, un- well, a, a collective group who are backed by Beck2, who are the employment workers, uh, entertainment mm. workers union, um, have released a statement on Twitter saying the front page of tomorrow's Times is announcing that Cineworld is planning to close all of its cinemas across the country as soon as this week, putting all of our jobs at immediate risk. There's been no consultation with staff whatsoever. We found out vital information about our jobs through the media, and uh, this has been throughout the pandemic. Workers have been left out of discussions that should have included our voices. However, in this case, it goes beyond belief. To find out you may no longer have a job from the media is awful. Which just isn't good enough. Like, no. you're an employer, at least inform your staff. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's sad because Cineworld is where I've seen a vast majority of my films, especially over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a chain that I really like and I hold dear to my heart. But at the same time, you've got to treat your workers with respect. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I hope they survive, but I also hope that they kind of book their ideas up. Yeah, I think they've been behaving pretty despicably throughout in terms of the way they've been communicating things. Um, But unfortunately, I think that goes for a lot of major corporations throughout. Mm -hmm. Um, You would want more transparency, but, you know, unfortunately, in this case, there doesn't seem to have been any transparency here. So, you know. That's that. There's not much more we can say on it, really. No. Um, okay, so some trailers. We'll speed through these, shall we? Yes. Uh, so the witches trailer. So this is Robert Zemeckis's version of the witches, starring Anne Hathaway, Octavia Spencer, and Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci, um, and narrated by Chris Rock, I think. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know. I don't like it because it feels like it's not. It's now not going to be scary. <laughs> that first that first is, film is, is one of the one of the most terrifying films I saw as a kid. I feel. Who's the main witch? It's um, uh, is it Angelica the, Houston. Yes, in that? yeah, yes, it is. Um, terrifying mm-hmm. um, as a kid. Like I've not been able to watch that film in a long time, mm. and I'm worried of it. I'm still going to be scared of it. Yeah, I think um, it's. It's really creepy, and it leans into the sort of scarier nature of that story, I think. This, I this feels like it's very much toning it down and making it a bit more of a romp. Yeah. But, you know, maybe just the hand of trade it comes across. Um, mm. But it's got some good people in it. Like, yeah. A really good cast. So it could be a lot of fun at the same time. So that is coming out uh, tail end of October. It's uh, HBO Max in the United States and theatrically, although we'll see about that. Uh, everywhere else the week afterwards, I believe. Um, so that's, I think, the 28th internationally, if I remember correctly. Uh, right, other trailers. Borat 2... <laughs> so it's Borat subsequent movie film. Yep. Not Borat 2, my wife. Uh, <laughs> so I watched the trailer for this, and my big thing was always going to be, but Borat is Borat, and everyone knows everyone that Everyone knows him. And... Even, like, I don't know. I feel like the gimmick maybe doesn't work the second time around. Mm-hmm. Because it's... And I'm still tentative about it, even though he puts on disguises on the disguise. I still feel like, I don't know, would that work at this point? I'm not a huge fan of Borat anyway, but... It's that you know, thing like when I watch Impractical are. Jokers, and mm. I'm like, how does nobody know who these guys are anymore? Mm. Like, how does nobody know Borat? Because they edit out all the bits where they do know who they are, and then they go and film of, the next bit. It kind of makes me just go like, do do they just make it look like people don't know who he is? Mm-hmm. Like it kind of leaves that kind of confusion of like airing. Are you leaning of, into the yeah. artifice of it? Yeah. Um, but it was obviously such a huge cultural mm-hmm. phenomenon. Um, like, and everyone knows Borat. <laughs> yeah. So I'm interested to see, can you catch Lightning Bottle twice? Especially, what, 15 years on, nearly? Yeah. What was it, 2007, I think? I think he says it starts like 14 years, or something like yeah. that. I'll watch it. It's coming to Amazon Prime again at the end of this month. So, just in time for the election, guys. The big election. <laughs> Donk City. Who's going to be the new mayor? King Kong. King Kong. King Kong? Yes. <laughs> Okay. He's bigger than Donkey Kong. Okay. What about Lanky Kong? I feel like he's never really got... He's kind uh, of the Ted Kennedy of the whole situation. He's busy looking after Cranky Kong. Um, okay. 
Would you say that the Kong family are after? I don't know if we have time for this. <laughs> after the Kennedys are America's second greatest political family. First greatest Kennedys okay, are for, over the Kennedys. Okay. Uh, <laughs> The Craft Legacy trailer came out this week. Um, so this is Blumhouse and Paramount? No, Columbia, maybe. Someone. It's Columbia. Yeah. So this is basically the remake, but also the re- slash continuation. It's a continuation, from what I can see. Um, yeah, I don't know. Seemingly. So the Craft is a real cult following doesn't it yeah so that was in what 96 97 i feel like mm-hmm. um so follows a group of witches at a school a coven of witches yeah. at a high school and this seems to be continuing that theme of again a coven of witches at a high school and you know they're this one maybe is leaning into the sort of i don't know there seems to be more of a mean spirit around some of it yeah i, I think like there was a Massive kind of following of like young girls love this film, mm. uh, love the original. I think it's kind of it spoke to them. This to me seemed watered down, yeah. Uh, I and it's a bit more of that kind of. I think Bloom has does this at times where it has films that are aiming for like a mass appeal, and it seems kind of like so. When they did Black Christmas, for example, mm-hmm. I never saw the film, yeah, but that trailer to me just went, Oh, it's a bit. It comes across a bit mm. naff, yeah. And this to me feels the same. And it could, you know, it could be great because you know, Bloom has done it multiple times of putting something out of the bag that is wonderful. That actually, you think would that be okay? Mm-hmm. But this trader to me didn't do anything. No, not and I particularly. Think a lot of people still hold that first one in such high regard that it might end up being one of those things of just being like. Well, actually, we didn't need this because the first one still works and still holds up perfectly. Mm. Uh, it's being written, directed by uh, Zoe Lister-Jones, and I think, again, it's probably Blumhouse trying to sort of, again, rectify some of those issues they had last year, the year before, where it was pointed out to them that they'd never had a female director, and now mm. I think they're up to three, maybe, potentially, this is. Certainly, Black Christmas was, and I can't remember if uh, there's something else coming out that is. Oh, a couple of their um, yeah. Amazon things are also uh, directed by uh, women directors. So this is, you know, another step in the right direction to try and balance that out. I think, and if it leads to them getting more work, then you know, mm-hmm. that can only be a good thing. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks fairly disposable, but. I think, actually, if you go back to the first one, it may well be fairly disposable as yeah. well. I, I don't know. I don't know how well it holds up. I, I haven't seen it in maybe 15 years. You know, I definitely haven't seen it in the last 10 years. So I'd wonder hmm. if, going back to it, I'd go, oh, okay. Or I'd go, mm, well, this probably wasn't necessary. Yeah. Um, and then, finally, Minari uh, had a trailer this week. Uh, so this uh, was a big hit at the Sundance Film Festival in January this year. Uh, won the Dramatic Grand Jury Prize as well as the US Dramatic Audience Award. Um, so follows the story of a Korean-American family that moves to an Arkansas farm in search for their own American dream. The family home changes completely with the arrival of their sly, foul mouth but incredibly loving grandmother. 
so this is written and directed by Lee Isaac Chung. And I think this looks like a really interesting, you know, it's a semi-autobiographical film. Mm-hmm. It looks like a really interesting film. It looks like something I'm going to really engage with and love. Um, I'm excited for it. It could well be, you know, it's getting a lot of buzz around award season. And again, in a year where everything seems to be pushed back and pushed back. <laughs> okay, yeah, we never know if the Oscars might just be cancelled. But, you know, doesn't that feel like it would be unfair on the films that came out this year? They Sonic. They don't yes. cancel it, so Sonic don't get its Oscar. Um, but yeah, I'm really I'm really looking forward to this. Um, he, uh, as a director, I think he's also been attached for... They're doing a live action uh, Your Name. You remember okay, that animated yeah, yeah, hit yeah, a few yeah. years ago? Uh, he's also taking... Uh, he's taken over from whoever dropped out of that, I think, this year. Uh, so, you know, this is someone who's clearly got a career on the rise. And this looks great. I really mm. love the trailer. I think it looks fantastic. Yes. N- not much more I can say about it. Um, but that is coming out, I believe, November time this year october november as far as i know uh but we will see if it gets uh, any further updates uh right moving on reviews one last trailer you put in there i don't know if it came out this week did i oh his house yes that did come out this week yeah um i watched that yeah so it's about a south Sudanese couple yes. who basically come to the uk as asylum seekers um are put into a house and being mm-hmm. like oh you've got to stay here in this house mm-hmm. um until we kind of process you um and then the house isn't as it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love about this is it's a horror movie where the house seems to be haunted and there's reason for them not to just move out. Yeah. Um, but no, it looks really creepy, really yeah, unsettling. I'm, I'm really excited for this. So this is coming out on Netflix um, on October the 30th this year. Um believe it might be getting a theatrical run as well, but I think it'll be very small, very limited. I might watch this one with you. Um but yeah, I really love the look of this. Um, I think, you know, it's got all the components for it to be a really good kind of creepy under the skin psychological horror <laughs> movie. And yeah, I'd I'd be really interested in seeing this. I, th- I think this is going to be, um, this potentially has the, the option of being sort of a really good sleeper hit in terms yeah. of Netflix is a perfect place for them to go a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's been in production for a little while, but um, yeah, it looks like it's finally uh, getting a release, which is great. Movie um, reviews. Movie reviews. I watched The Boys. You watched really The Boys. Liked the last episode. S- penultimate episode? Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it. Like, really, really liked it. Um, finally explained why Billy Butcher's accent isn't quite English. Mm, good. Um, what have I got for I Don't Know Your Future? Summer of 84. It's on Shudder. I mm-hmm. watched it last night. It's pretty fun. It's like a sort of um, my neighbor is a serial killer and I have to unearth the truth type thing mm-hmm. where this kid suspects that his neighbor is the um, is the sort of serial killer that's being reported in the papers. And no one believes him, obviously, because why would you ever believe that? It seems preposterous. And he says, well, you know, everyone has to live next to someone, even serial killers. Yeah. Great line. Well done. It's got the kid from um, Babysitter in it. Okay. In a supporting role in this. Because um, I, I 
clocked him very early on. I went, you remind me of someone. <laughs> and I had to look it up because I was just, it was driving me wild. And I went, oh, okay, babysitter kid. Um, yeah, it's, it's good fun. It's sort of, you know, it, it channels that sort of Stranger Things aesthetic, I think, to a point. But it does it on its own terms, and it doesn't feel like it's really borrowing too much from that. You know, it's focused around a group of four kids, mm-hmm. but it still is its own thing. Um, at times, it's a bit nasty and a bit sort of, yeah, a bit more cynical about things than Stranger Things ever is. Yeah. But I quite like that. I I, I thought it was really, uh, really good fun. It came out a couple of years ago, but it's on Shudder now. So if you do have Shudder or access to it, then I would suggest you can check that out there. Finally, movie reviews. Two movie reviews. I'll speed through one because there's not a huge amount to say about it, and then I'll spend a little bit more time talking about the other one. So Vampires vs. the Bronx is available on Netflix now. Uh, It is, as far as I know, it's the feature film debut of Oz Rodriguez as a writer and director, um, who did the story. I think Blaze Hemingway did the screenplay. Um, So group of young friends from the Bronx who are trying to save their local bodega from shutting down in the midst of gentrification um, seem to unearth a plot by a group of vampires to take residence in the block in the Bronx and feed off the citizens. It's kind of an interesting film in parts. It's a weird one. Um, I think it's got a very good, it has a community feel to it mm-hmm. in a in a very positive way. So the whole central focus of the film is they're fighting gentrification as well as vampires. And that, as a setup for the movie, works really well. Yeah. And I think that's something that I really responded to because I thought, oh, okay, well, at least you're not just doing, oh, there's a vampire in the Bronx, you know, like a Vampire in Brooklyn starring Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. But very much a case of this is, you know, this is a real issue that we are transposing to basically replace the issue of gentrification with the issue of vampires, mm-hmm. but they stand for the same thing. I think that's really, you know, a really good angle to come at it from. Um, and it feels like a film that is very loving about that part of New York and is very concerned with what is happening to those areas at the moment in that it's pricing people out, pricing out local shop owners and forcing in, you know, nine pound lattes, you know, not wait, that would be obscene. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I think, you know, for the most part, that stuff really works. I think as a sort of horror movie, I don't know, you know, it's, it's not, it's not spooky. It's not scary. It's fine. I think, I think it, it potentially could have leaned into that stuff more and been a bit more creepy. But then again, I don't know. I don't know. If you do that, maybe you lose the balance of the gentrification storyline. I don't know. I think there's there's stuff to like about it and there's stuff not to really like about it. But overall, it, it's a that'll do pig. I think mm-hmm. it sits somewhere in the middle. If you want something to kick off spooky season, because of course this is Shocktober the 1st <laughs> in terms of podcast episode times. Um yeah, I think, you know, you do you could do worse than watching this yeah. as sort of the thing to start off your Halloween watchings. And of course we've got Hubie Halloween next week, so we're all Can not wait. Halloween is upon us, or happy Wednesday partners. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I think you know, that'll do pig and yeah, it's available on Netflix now. So, you know, 
it's widely available. Everyone's got access to that. Well, not everyone, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Figuratively speaking, everyone. Okay. Next film. Just catching my breath. Sorry. Very hot now. Very hot today. Um, yes. So, uh, Dick Johnson is dead. This is also on Netflix. It was on, uh, came on on Friday. Uh, wonderful documentary by Kirsten Johnson. Um, basically a very personal and intimate portrait of her and her father approaching his death. Um, so Dick Johnson is a psychiatrist who he, he he ends up retiring and having to move over to New York from Seattle in order to be with his daughter and living there mm-hmm. with her so that they can keep a better eye on him because he's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and the telltale signs have creeped in in terms of, you know, the memory is getting worse. He's double booking patients. Mm-hmm. He's prescribing the wrong medication or the wrong amount of medication. And for his own good, they thought, right, well, let's move you across. But in the process, decided to confront his death. And now, on the face of it, this seems slightly morbid and slightly, you know, you could you could read that as being like, that doesn't sound like something altogether ethical or altogether, mm-hmm. you know, in the best taste. But the way they approach it is from a position of, not it's not a somber film it is a celebratory film so there are these sort of um so she films these slapstick death scenes with him Mm -hmm. so for instance he's walking down a street you know one of the opening shots is him walking down the street and this air conditioning unit falls from a window above him and smashes him on the head and kills him Mm -hmm. and then you see that this has been put together as a stunt and then there's another one where he's walking down a street. He trips over and falls and cracks his head. And that's also all this stage stuff. And they're doing this to sort of confront the fact that it's not something that is talked about. Yeah. And it's still something that a lot of people have issues with. Um, now, she'd gone through this previously because uh, her mother, Dick Johnson's wife, had also been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and passed away a few years ago. And there's this sort of sense of history repeating itself. And, you know, what you don't want to do is, and there's some footage that's shown of her mother. And she says, in all my years of making documentaries, I've, I've, you know, I've been doing it for however long I've been doing it now, but this is the only footage I have of my mother, mm-hmm. and this is not the footage of her as the person she was. This is the person that she became in those yeah. later years. And I think there seems to be this real urgency of she wanted to capture the bright sparks of what Dick Johnson is as a person. And there are some really bizarre sort of surreal scenes that they construct where he's, you know, they, they sort of create a heaven uh, set and put him in the middle of it and Jesus is there and his wife is there and mm. you know Bruce Lee's there there's really wonderful stuff and it's it's a documentary that comes at that comes at it from a very different angle than it could have done which is it could have approached it with a very somber tone and gone right well this is what it is to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's this is but I think there's probably enough of those documentaries out there. Yeah. And this feels like the right way to do it because it feels like it is a celebration of life. 
it's a celebration of some of the more humorous things that come with it. Mm-hmm. And it's it really spoke to me on an emotional level and i you know I, by the end i was a blubbering mess hmm. um but i think it's phenomenal i think this is a really really brilliant documentary i think it's it's something that if you have a personal attachment to those kind of diseases if there has been someone in your family who has passed away because of those or you know if you're going through it at the moment maybe this is the film to watch certainly from my point of view I watched it and I was just destroyed and then rebuilt by it. Yeah. You know, it's it's a film that's not afraid to pull on the heartstrings, but it never does it in a... It never feels like it's doing it in a very sort of pointed way. It feels like it's, you know, it knows it's going to be an emotional ride for you, mm-hmm. but there's always more joy than there is sadness. And I think that's the beautiful thing about this documentary. And the, particularly the last scene just... I don't know, it completely destroyed me. Um, I, I think it's beautiful. I really, mm-hmm. you know, this is a brilliant, brilliant movie. Uh, it's available on Netflix now. It's called Dick Johnson is Dead. And I would recommend everyone watch this. This is a absolute would would recommend. Yeah. All day. Top of the pops. That's right. <laughs> top of the pops. That's our new rating system. <laughs> Top of the Pops comes above, would recommend. Top of the Pops is if it's one of those patented, one of her best films of the year. Yeah, I think it is. And, you know, the, hey, worse films than this have been in consideration for my best film of the year, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Well, you say fantastic, you know. We did it. Who be Halloween's coming out next week? That's the real can't high point wait. of the year. I think I genuinely can't wait for Who be Halloween. Yeah, like, I think it's going to be great. Uh, we've also got um, Haunting of Blind Manor. I think starts this week, doesn't it? Yeah, or, or I think it all drops so at the same time. Spooky. When are we going to have time to watch everything? All the time. Is Who be Halloween going to have to wait? Because I'd rather watch no. Blind Manor than Who be Halloween. Sorry, I'd rather watch Who be Halloween than anything. Woo. Uh, happy Wednesday, partners. Happy Wednesday, partners. I'm sure that's what he says I, in the I trailer. I cannot believe that you think that's what he says. Um, as always, you can find us on Facebook and on iTunes, on Stitcher, Buzzsprout, anywhere you get podcasts. <laughs> find us there. On Twitter, we're at DinosaurMan15. Everywhere else, just Dinosaur Man or Dinosaur Man Podcast, I think. Um, John and Eve's did the theme song this week, whatever. It was Halloween-y, spooky. There was some chains some at the beginning of it. scary skeletons. Oh, there's a train at the beginning of it as well. Chugga, 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 chugga. Andy, you've been the host. Alex, you've also been the host. There was a lot of news this week, wasn't there? There was. More than we thought. And until next time, guys. Uh, happy Wednesday, partner. Go watch. Who be Halloween trailer. Well, I was going to say. Dick the- Johnson's dead. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> if you've listened to the podcast until this point, one thing you should know. He says, happy Wednesday, partner, in the trailer. And... Dick Johnson is dead is the I think it's just yeah go and watch it go and watch it